Welcome to the Jack Mountain Butchcraft Podcast, episode 49. Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast with your host, Jack Mountain Bushcraft School founder and master main guide, Tim Smith. I'm your host, Tim Smith. I'm a registered master main guide, and in 1999, I founded the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School. We help people become more skilled, more knowledgeable, more experienced, and more confident outdoors by using traditional skills, a few simple tools, and field-based experience. Whether you're looking to go from city slicker to competent outdoor professional, want to experience a remote expedition, or just want to learn a few new outdoor skills, we've got you covered. You can check out the show notes to this and all of our podcasts at blog.jackmtn.com. When you're there, click on the podcast button. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Lastly, the best way to keep up with our programs and trips is to join our email newsletter. And you can do that at jmbnews.com. Hello and welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast, episode 49, where we are going to talk all about expedition behavior, outdoor leadership, and related topics. So Tim Smith here, joined by Christopher Russell, Colin Clifford, and Blake Towsley. How are we this morning, gentlemen? Good. Yeah, can't complain. I'm cold. Yeah, it's uh, so like three days ago, we were all complaining about the heat and humidity. And here, finally, we've got our nights that are just above freezing. So uh, have yet to light a fire in the stove this fall yet uh and now i'm being hazed for being who am i scrooge, scrooge mcduck scrooge mcduck who's too cheap to put, put a lump of coal in the stove <laughs> we start we were joking that the uh the, the cover photo what you guys will see is us all curled up in blankets and it started as a joke but now blake and colin both still have the blankets <laughs> wrapped around them yeah it's a little chilly in the guide shack it is chill it's like probably 39 to 40 degrees in the God Shack. But it's always 100 degrees in my heart. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're off to a slow start this morning, folks. Yeah, not enough coffee's been consumed. I'm keeping warm because I've got Lucky the Wonder Dog under the table nuzzling her, her nose into my knee. So I get my cold hands wrapped around her head, right? Oh, and there she goes on to her dog. <laughs> anyway. So today we want to talk about leadership, soft skills, expedition, behavior. So expedition behavior is outdoor ed speak for basically teamwork. You know, if you're, if you're a young person involved in athletics, they're not going to talk to you about expedition behavior. They're going to talk to you about teamwork. So it's just a way that they've kind of taken concepts and put the outdoor ed speak on them by giving it that label. So, you know, even so far as to call it EB, um, a lot of this I think goes back to, or at least the, the earliest in the literature that I've read about, it goes back to Paul Petzold's book, The New Way of the Wilderness. He's got a chapter on expedition behavior, and it's really worth a read. So much so that, uh, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I, I sat down after reading it for the 50 millionth time and just typed it up, just sat with the book, typed up that chapter, at least the first half of it. And then usually before big expeditions, when we're sort of uh, sending out the medical forms, things like that, I'll send that along and I'll say, make sure you read this twice before we all get together at the trailhead, right? Because it's just good stuff to keep 
in mind, just about how to make things run smoothly, not be selfish, you know, put the team first, things of that, of that nature. So yeah, it's really just, just kind of teamwork, right? And I think, I don't know if you guys have any different take on, on what it is. Well, it's also, um, it also kind of lays out how, um, you know, your, your hard skills, the hard skills that you have isn't everything when it comes to being on trail or, even in a, you know, uh, team, any kind of team situation. Definitely not. Hard skills are hard skills. So let's define hard skills, the nuts and bolts, right? Tying good knots, how to swing an axe safely, how to paddle the canoe, how to haul the sled, set up the tent. So the soft skills, which is more the expedition behavior, are kind of the uh, interpersonal human skills, right? Being a good listener, um, you know, how to sort of motivate people, things like that. But it's, the, you know, there's a big difference. And I'll go a step further and say that there are meta skills where you sort of put the two together for planning purposes and, you know, knowing how to sort of read a situation that's maybe going to head south before before it does and maybe, you know, deflect it or head it off at the pass or something like that. Yeah, and, you know, those hard skills, being able to swing an axe and tie a knots, those are all... You know, like you said, they're 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 very important, and and uh, they're not anything that you know is uh, you know it's always good to have that. But well, you can't go on the trip without the hard skills. Exactly, well, you well, can't if you have a combar pro. Yeah. Right, it's true. <laughs> if you've got good enough gear, you don't. You need don't need to know skills. anything. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the I mean the. Uh, when I was a young guy, all my eggs were in the hard skill basket. I'm like, well, if you're just good enough at doing this, you don't need to worry about all the sort of the, you know, the interpersonal stuff, the expedition behavior. Just just drive it a little bit harder and, and you'll get it done anyway. And the older I get, the more I realize, like, that those were the insane ramblings of someone who just didn't know anything useful. Right, because I will make the statement that soft skills, expedition behavior, leadership, that will make or break a trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I've seen it happen. I've, I've been parts of trips where, you know, they kind of fell apart for that reason. And I've also been parts of trips where like maybe it wasn't the most people didn't have the greatest of hard skills, but with a good solid emphasis on, you know, group behavior and group process that it turned out really, really well, you know, in spite of not having a ton of hard skills. Mm-hmm. And self-awareness, I think is what kind of, comes in into play there um just kind of awareness of you know this the situation in the whole group um atmosphere and but also awareness of yourself and just being uh accountable and able to look at yourself and just ask yourself what am i giving to the group and and to facilitate this this trip to run smoothly I think is very, very important. Yeah, the self-leadership, I think in the outdoor red speak, they refer to that, which I don't know. But the first time I read it, I'm like, how can you lead yourself? I put a collar around my neck and tie it to the back of my truck. <laughs> Fishing rod with a carrot in front of it. Oh, there it is, there it is. Fishing rod with a carrot. Well, for me, it's probably a piece of pickled herring. Yeah. Yeah. That'll get me anywhere. Yeah. Every time. <laughs> Every time I lean down to pick up a big bottle full of whiskey and it like scoots a little bit away from me, yeah. I know that I'm going to end up in a trap. Yeah. <laughs> but you do it anyway. It's, it's weird how that gets me. Yeah. 
You know it's not going to end well, but you just... Uh, it happens to me all the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, what's that on the floor right there? <laughs> <laughs> and Tim's gone. Yeah. It happened again. <laughs> Tim, Tim's in the hole again. Some liquor bottle in the middle of that circle of rope. Better grab that. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, you know, Paul Petzold in the literature wrote a lot about it. We use as a text during our semester courses, the AMC guide to outdoor leadership. They've got a pretty good chapter on, uh, expedition leadership. The whole book is about soft skills and, and leading people outdoors. Um, but you know, it, it really goes beyond like, uh, it goes beyond outdoors, right? Like good people skills, good leadership skills. I think that a part of any successful organization or endeavor that's just a huge part of it you know whether it's a business uh corporate thing you know business leadership i know two of you guys have spent a lot of time in the military you know good leadership is easily discernible from bad leadership Mm -hmm. um you know the classic case that we study in the literature is ernest shackleton's ill-fated antarctic expedition (laughs) <laughs> was it so ill-fated though was it so, <laughs> was it so ill-fated uh for those of you who don't know they were going to be the last it was the last big thing to do shackleton and his group were going to go sail to antarctica walk unaided across antarctica across the south pole to the other side they got trapped in the ice like two days their ship got trapped in the ice two days before they were going to debark or embark on their trip leave the ship uh so they they canceled the trip their ship, uh, they lived on their ship for, what, six months. Then the ice crushed it. It sank to the bottom of the ocean. They lived on the ice flow in tents. Then they were in lifeboats. It was like a, over over a year that these guys basically thought they were all going to die the next day. But at the end of it, after the what's been called the greatest open boat journey of all time, I think, what was it, 800 miles through like three hurricanes. Uh, in like uh, the worst seas yeah, ever. They, they uh Anyway, they made it. Everybody made it. Nobody died. So, um, and whereas when you read uh, Petzold's chapter on expedition leadership, other things where it's maybe just like a, you know, a three day climb or something, it would totally break down. And guys were attacking each other with ice axes. <laughs> yeah. So it's like you know the a well run organization or a well run expedition. Um, you know the leadership is it's palpable. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's that same thing you were talking about where Colin was mentioning about like self-awareness and awareness of the group. Um, I, I, the, the leadership that I've seen, maybe not just in the outdoor industry, but in general is like people that try to like rule with an iron fist and think, and like my word is law that never works. Like it just breeds like, and antipathy and to, words are hard. It, 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 breeds, <laughs> yeah, well, it, it breeds unrest with everybody. Like nobody likes yeah. somebody that's like always yelling at them, always yeah. trying to, you know criticizing yeah exactly and then it ends up being a a point of contention and then that's when it boils over and the the ice axes come out right mm-hmm. or in our case um tim doesn't know this but the reason there are so many ropes with bottles of liquor around them is because i have set them because i'm tired <laughs> of tim's leadership interesting authoritating <laughs> yeah he, iron fist iron fist <laughs> Uh, well, it takes an iron fist to wield the iron spoon. Oh, <laughs> oh! I've made a terrible mistake. Iron does sharpen iron, you know. I... Want to eat it with a sharp spoon? <laughs> <laughs> if you're hard enough, you can. My, my tongue's all cut to hell. <laughs> but Christ, I ate a lot of ice cream. 
Anyway. Yeah, that got a little off the rails. Ex- uh, examples? Any good examples of expedition leadership from canoe expeditions, snowshoe expeditions? Things that you saw that really worked well. I think a big thing would be, like, if you do have a slight issue with someone, you should probably nip it in the butt right away as opposed yeah. to just kind of either being polite or uh, maybe uh, unwilling to confront them at the start because sooner or later that little annoyance is going to grow. Yeah. And it's going to grow... Until there's, like, one final explosion. Yeah. Don't let it fester. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, good communication, I think, is a good... Would be a prerequisite for solid expedition behavior. Be able to have those uncomfortable conversations and... (laughs) (laughs) And just, (laughs) you know, just be able... Yeah, like, you know, your your presence is a a huge... um, is, is a huge uh, factor and you know it can be a hindrance or it can be a strength and you know again it's that self-awareness with you know how how you come across to other people and I, I can um, uh, attest it's not really so much was it um, uh, like on a canoe trip or anything I, I can allude to my military experience with um, uh a uh, lieutenant colonel of mine uh, who was an outstanding leader. Um, he was, was um, you know, very high ranked in, in the military. And, you know, sometimes, you know, it, that's kind of a uh, a uh, blurry line there when you're lower ranked. And as far as, um, you know, a lot of times you don't really communicate with them on a personal level. Um as a, as a lower ranked person, but, uh, uh, Lieutenant Colonel McDonough was a very, very, uh, personal guy and he listened to everybody and took everyone's word into account. Uh, I can remember one time me and my buddy were in the smoking pit, um, hanging out and he came by and, uh, uh, he asked us, you know, personally, he's like, what, what, do you think would make um, these um, the morale here um, increase? And you know, we thought about it, and um, more it, liquor. Yeah, yeah, much more liquor <laughs> for sure. Well, actually, liquor does actually come into play in this story. <laughs> oh, of course it does. <laughs> Doesn't it come into play in every story? It definitely well, does. In my life, it does. Yeah. Well, From the time I was five to this point, <laughs> liquor was always a big influence in my There you behavior. go, son. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, there used to be a rule in the barracks where you couldn't have anything more than a six-pack in your fridge. Um, yeah, which was Was like, this America? Yeah, yeah, it's just setting us up for failure. We're going to break those rules. But uh, And you couldn't have it if anyone was, there was under... 21. So, um, one thing that, um, Lieutenant Colonel McDonough lifted from the first things he lifted was he upped it to, you could have a 30 rack in there. And as long as one person was 21, they could in your room. Cause we had three, uh, Marines to a room. You, you could have the 30 rack. Now, a lot of people would be like, you're just like, that's crazy. Cause a bunch of bored Marines, now we can drink, you know. 
Drink your face off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where are we going? Basically, <laughs> he he lengthened the the leash for us. I see. You know what I mean? Has he, he, been he treated us to, like to men. Sainthood yet? I, well, because I believe that this man is probably pretty close to God. He is. He is. And uh, he, uh, as far as you know, my time in the military, I've had a lot of different leaders, um, and I've had good ones and bad ones, and then I've had you know great ones and lieutenant colonel mcdonough was a great one not just because of you know he left he let us all <laughs> get 30 racks in our own but you know there was also a case where you know um i wasn't on that deployment but he uh got uh he actually got wounded in in afghanistan and uh got sent back uh, stateside but um he and that was earlier than deployment but he made a point to make his way back to uh, Afghanistan before the deployment ended. He pulled some rank and found his way to get over there. and uh, Brought a just, truck full of liquor with yeah, him. <laughs> but just because he knew his presence was that important to his men. And, uh, you know, I've talked to a lot of buddies that were on that deployment, and they said that was a huge morale boost. So, you know, I think presence is definitely a big key there um being self-aware of your presence and, and taking that very seriously and and like chris was saying like you're you know if you're a leader with an iron fist your presence isn't really um appreciated well so if i'm, I'm gonna jump in here the so the the thing with the iron fist though is there can be a little bit of that if you have a team of leaders so when we last fall we were on a canoe trip and we were coming up to probably the hardest bit of polling that we had done and um there we we you know we made it very clear to people that this wasn't like this is up until that point we've kind of been like lazily paddling and having a good time and um this was the first real set of rips where we needed to be careful i think we ended up pulling part of it and lining the other um this was on the saint croix and we you know tim got up and framed that like this is not this is serious like take this seriously and you could see on um people's faces like you know, it was it was the first time they'd ever done something like this. So there was a little bit of apprehension, a little bit of, uh, yeah, a little bit of fear, um, which is not a bad thing. Like maybe you're a little more careful when you're doing that. But in but the other side is that if if you're too afraid of it, maybe you're just you just lock up and you can't do anything. And so our, our good buddy, Ben Spencer, who's been on here a lot, um, had this magic flute that as soon as Tim was done giving his speech about, you know, like taking this seriously and being that that way with it. Ben whipped it out and started playing it. Oh, He pulled out his... Oh, wow. He pulled out his magic flute. Yeah, he whipped out his magic flute. He whipped out his magic flute. And played a song. And played a song on it. And, and everyone morale had... Morale increased. I hope Ben never listens to this. Um, but, it, but it's true. Like, being able being able to balance, like, the seriousness with um, with also understanding that we're, we're doing stuff that's really fun, even when it is serious. And... Um, being able to work with each other um, and play different roles as leaders, um, as a team, is really important as well. If you're on your own, maybe you kind of have to balance all those things together. But if there's a couple of you, you can each fill a different role um, and and kind of fulfill all the things people are looking for in a leader without having to try to like be constantly checking yourself and making sure you're hitting all those marks. So here's a question for you guys. Uh, can leadership, is, is, it, is it learned? Are you born with it? Can it be learned? Can it be taught? 
Mm. I think it's a mixture of both, for sure. I think you have to find what kind of leader you are. Like, what is, you know, like, you know, some people are better vocal leaders. Some people are more, um, you know, maybe they're not vocal leaders, but they're, they're more, you know, behind the scenes leaders. And they, you know, they're, yeah, they're, maybe they're a little bit kind of, you know, not so much out in front. Maybe they're more leaders by example. So I think, yeah, you, you are born with it, but it's just how do you find that? And I think to teach it, I guess, would be to um, maybe start there. Like, what, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? And so I would counter that, and I say it definitely can be learned. I don't think it can be taught. I think that... Um, Expand on that. Yeah. So I, 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 I don't know how to teach somebody how to be a leader. I know, but what I do know how to do it, for them to learn it is to put them in situations where they have to act as a leader. Okay. Um, so, so, you know, it's that same thing. Like we talk all the time, like it's really hard to verbally or even like by showing someone, teach them how to pull a canoe. But if you put them in a situation where they have to pull, they learn like you have to. And I think that that is a similar thing for, for learning to be a leader is just either being placed or placing yourself in situations where, where you have to make decisions and you have to find, you know, we talked about it a couple podcasts ago, like you find your voice as a leader or as an educator or whatever it is that you're doing. And you, you get there by doing it and screwing up a couple times and, and trying stuff that doesn't work. You know, we've talked before, like, um, when I first came up here and started teaching, um, sort of the, there's a lot of, uh, laughter and humor as part of the educational stuff. And that's when I teach on my own, that's not my style. Like it works really well when I'm with a group, but when I'm on my own, I can't, I don't have the ability, the ability to, to smile. No, not at all. Um, but it's true. Like, the, and fine. And it took me, it took me a while to find, to find that my own personal style. And I, and it, when I tried to learn it by emulating other people that I respected as leaders like Tim, um, it didn't work because that's not my personality. And I had to, I had to try that and fail horribly at it before I started trying other things. Interesting though. I, I like, I guess I always wonder, you know, can it be taught? Can it be learned? Cause go online and you'll find how many, like a two day leadership seminar, yeah. like where you sit in the audience and people talk at you and, like, I'll just throw the bullshit flag yes. right off the bat. Like, no one's going to walk out of there a better leader just by listening to somebody, you know, tell an inspiring story or whatever. I think, like you say, you have to be in that position where you're making decisions yeah. where, mm-hmm. and basically, it has to be okay for you to screw it up. Yes. Right? right? I think that, like, that's the muscle that's strengthened in order to become a more adept leader is, you know, being okay with screwing it up and making those decisions and not... Uh, you know, having to having to live with the consequences right. as well, and it goes sort of with that iron fist thing. Is that like you have? To, I I am personally of the belief that in order, like the perfect leader is um, got a great body, got a, got great, a great body, just yeah. six pack abs, <laughs> chiseled jaw, chiseled oh, yeah. jaw, oh yeah, flowing, mm-hmm. at, least, at least six two. He's got to be at least minimum, six two. minimum six two. Are we are we talking about leaders or a personal ads we put out? Um, but no, I I think that like to me, an ideal leader is somebody who is has killed their ego. Like they're, it can't be what is, it's the I think it's in the Tao Te Ching where he says like the perfect the perfect uh, the perfect master is egoless, genderless, 
um, like ageless and all this kind of thing, which is actually sounds like the personal ad Blake was just talking about. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I think there's something to that, right? Where you're, you're, you're sort of removing all, all your own wants and desires to fill this role. And I think that that's really important. And well, I th- yeah, I think it, it's necessary because you have to sort of put, right. the, put the goodwill of the group exactly above your own you know, personal yeah. interests. And right. I think in our modern world, like leadership is often mistaken for having a giant ego and having yeah. to yes. have the loudest voice in the room. Alpha mm-hmm. dog yeah. stuff. But but they have nothing in yeah. common with one another. Like no. the, the person who's an adept leader isn't they don't have to be the fastest paddler. They don't have to be the first to the summit. Like they're the one who's more you know, focusing more on making sure that the weakest person makes yes. it to the mm-hmm. summit. As opposed to like, look at me, I'm I'm number one. I got up here first, right? But right. but I think that in our modern world, that that's often mistaken for leadership. You mm-hmm. know, like kids' sports teams, the kid who scores the most goals, they'll make him the team captain, mm-hmm. right? Right, and usually shouldn't be because he's more interested in scoring, scoring more goals, goals mm-hmm. than you know make having the team perform. Yeah. So I'm thinking about actually that thing about it being like egoless and genderless and all and ageless. And you know who really really exemplifies that? Now that I'm thinking about it, is Genghis Khan. Oh, that's gonna say oh, really? Yeah, I was gonna say Miley Cyrus. Well, yeah, it's you know, true. It's, it's true. It's Both true. are very, Both are very, potato, very colorful potato. figures. In the, in How the do we know they're history? not the same person? That's what Ooh. I want to know. Like, uh, like that documentary about the Highlander that yes. lives for like seven hundred years. Yep. So you're claiming that Miley Cyrus and Genghis Khan are the same person? I stand by that. Okay, that's that's you heard it here first. <laughs> I'm making a lot of claims I can't back up, and it's on the internet, so you can't prove me wrong. Yeah. Somewhere, Mo- Molly's out there listening to this. Or was it? Was it? Who is it? Miley. Miley. She's Molly. out there listening to this. Molly Cyrus. <laughs> hey, is that Miley's sister? <laughs> and she's been figured out, so now she knows. She has to go so. back into hiding for another 700 years. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We always talk about Miley Cyrus on because the podcast. Party in the USA is the song that defines a generation. Yeah, yeah it really is. It really is. And I don't know if it's if you're a classic new, fish out of water story. It is a classic <laughs> fish out of water story. If you're new to the to the podcast, you know I've said this in previous episodes, but the first time uh, I heard Miley Cyrus sing "Party in the USA," it was like she was singing directly to me because I am also from the USA and I also like to party. I'm pretty sure we said this on the. Previous podcast, <laughs> right? I think we okay. should say it on each one. Yeah. All right, okay. Just make it's it your defining statement. Case. It's you a know, defining case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So we've determined that Miley Cyrus and Genghis Khan are the same person, and that good leadership is not like type A. No. I need to be the alpha dog sort of behavior. Yeah. You, you you shouldn't like you know almost you shouldn't be looking to get credit for. For anything, yeah. Really. If you do the job right, nobody knows you even did it. Exactly. That's another Dao De Jing. Yes. Because when the when the when the leader acts, the people say, "Amazing, we did it all by ourselves." Actually, now mm-hmm. that I think about it, didn't Genghis Khan write the Dao De Jing? Maybe. We can't prove he didn't. No. We can't prove that that uh, Billy Ray Cyrus didn't write it either. There's no evidence no. that he did not write no, that. No, there is not. Was he cool? Prove me wrong, <laughs> internet. You know, Miley Cyrus writes her own music. <laughs> Of course I knew that. <laughs> Are you serious? Of course I knew that. Anyway. So inspiring. Yeah. Um, so inspiring. So expedition behavior. Like, uh, just, we're, we're sort of talking about big picture stuff, but I think it'd be interesting for us to kind of go around and talk about little things that bother you on trail. Um, not particular, like just little gripes, stuff that um, you can expand on and talk, you know. For, so for me, I have this thing about, um, 
people leaving like pot chains and like utensils hanging up on the on the tripod at night when they go to bed. I think a lot of times people think it's like, oh, I won't lose it and stuff. But for me, I'm an early riser. So I wake up and in the morning I have to like filter through everybody's stuff in order to start a fire because I don't want to melt anybody's things. And um, and I think that's goes back to that self-awareness stuff we were talking about where you're 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 not doing an action because it's easiest for you. You're doing it because the, you know, you know, the next person that comes along won't have trouble. That is like, that is the, uh, that's like the paradox of leadership there, right? As the leader, what you're trying to do is to stop people from doing things that benefit them from the perspective of convenience and benefit the group more. Right. So you're trying to, you're trying to minimize people's selfish instincts, um, where they will be yes. have some sort of added convenience because you know it will harm the group. Mm-hmm. So, for example, something that I like to do on trail and I tell everybody to do it is to hang up all their stuff on the cooking tripod before going to bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm gonna leave. The, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna leave the podcast now. I have to go find a liquor bottle and set it up in the middle of a rope. <laughs> Lots hanging around. <laughs> There's plenty. Just littered all over the God damn it, Tim! <laughs> It'll be interesting to see if uh, my limited audio editing abilities can like normalize the sound when you yell like that. Huh. I don't know if I'll be able to do it, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but that whole idea yeah. of like you know, uh, you're trying to bring out the best in the group, right? You're trying to sort of set the standard. Above all else. Yeah, like, what was that term? Muscular humility? Was that the... Yes, muscular humility. Muscular humility, which is... uh, I can't remember what book we read it in. The culture code. The culture code. But the idea of the, you know, the leader doing things like, you know, going up and picking up micro trash and... You know, the, the and the the people who are not in a leadership position see that, and you're like, well, this guy really cares. Like he's, yeah. you know, sacrificing personal time and stuff to do these little things to sort of demonstrate to the group this is the desired behavioral outcome, right? Like, suck it up for the team, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, to put it in non-outdoor outdoor leadership uh, terminology, and I think that's a that's a huge thing, right? Like, making sure. So we so the four of us are on a trip. And we get somewhere and making sure, hey, let's everybody get two sticks of firewood. And making sure you get two good sticks of firewood, right? Mm-hmm. Like, don't half-ass it with the, the leaning, kind of half-rotten birch log that's right next to where the fire is. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. take, you know, take the extra two minutes and go get something good that you're going to actually cook with. Mm-hmm. Right? And then you do that day one and everybody's like, okay, you know, when they say go get good firewood, they, they mean it, you know? And I think stuff like that. But Other uh, examples from the trail, you guys, that stuff peeves or examples of really good leadership i'll say like um being uh any like not asking anybody to do anything that you're not willing to do yourself is huge um i think again when it comes to i guess presence is my uh theme here but you know how people view how people see you is you know if you're a leader you know, if they're going to be looking at you for examples. And if you're telling people, hey, go get firewood, but you yourself don't get go get firewood. You're late in the hammock barking orders. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, get some firewood and how about a foot rub? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... Everybody hang their stuff up on the tripod. <laughs> Why don't you go wash up and get in this hammock with me and have a cuddle? <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, not again. <laughs> I'm supposed to be learning leadership. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's, you know, I think that's, you know, that's the big thing here. Um, Even la- like less big picture, but small picture, I can't stand freaking gear explosions. Oh, right? yeah. Like, mm-hmm. hey, yeah. we're on a canoe trip, yeah. and I've got my, uh, here's my caravan. pack. Yeah. Here's yeah. my pack, and then here's the 700 small items that I have tied together with yeah. string. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, great. So we had, we had a student in the spring um, named Adam who we were, I was talking with him about, like, stuff tied to bags when people are walking and how it bothers. Like, there's always somebody with a tin cup tied to their bag and says, cling, 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 every cling, step. cling. And Adam went on to inform me that when he was in high school, there was a guy who brought, I think he said it was a 18 inch frying pan and he just strapped it to the back of his backpack and had it hanging. So it was like a gong every mm-hmm. time he took a step. And that to me, that's like, that's the example, right? That guy was just like, oh, I want to bring this big frying pan and never thought that maybe that sound would be annoying to people that wanted to be out in nature. Yeah, that would be annoying to people. Yeah. I think it would kind of make you, remind you of when, like, traveling through China or something, like, gongs all like, oh, that's so great. <laughs> and we're back to <laughs> Genghis Khan. <laughs> yeah. I'm more of a fan of Kublai Khan. Oh. <laughs> Did you stand within the stately pleasure dome? I may have dabbled. <laughs> <laughs> it, well, it always seems to, just to go back to that, the gear explosion in the canoe, those yeah. are always the people oh. that dump boats, and then you got to go swim for, like, 80 individual yeah. pieces of kid. Right? Yeah. And yeah, I hate that. It drives yeah. me nuts. You know what I also hate is when people don't tie good knots. <laughs> yeah. That drives well, me crazy. Yeah. Hey, well, look, we're hauling toboggans and oh, my stuff fell off again every like 30 seconds. <laughs> and then you look at it and it's just like a poorly tied, non slippery mm-hmm. square knot. <laughs> the only way to, it's like 20 below and blowing. The only way to get it out is with your knife. And you're like, hey, let's try to go through 600 more yards of string on this. <laughs> so in that situation, you know, maybe. You know, you to just to get going. Maybe you, you know, I go and tie the knot properly, and you know, and we just keep going. But you know, after when camp is set up, as a leader, I think it's important to take that person aside and be like, "Look, this is how you tie this knot properly, and let's tie this together. Let's set this up so this doesn't happen again." You know. Yeah. Well, and in that, I think it's important for us to define um, the difference between expedition behavior with a bunch of experienced people versus being out with students. I think that, you know, what Tim's talking about with, like, not tying good knots, uh, maybe maybe by tying those knots, you take away a really valuable learning experience for that person. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're with a group of people that kind of you think they should know their stuff, then, yeah, I'd walk over and tie the knots. And But I think that's an important uh, distinction to make is the difference between an educational experience versus one where you're trying to make miles and you're you're out with people that right. you know can carry their own weight. Mm-hmm. Definitely, because yeah. as part of the educational yeah. experience, you want them to have that struggle. You, you want them to struggle, yeah. but you also want them to have a win where ultimately they can tie the knot and mm-hmm. develop self reliant behavior yes. patterns. Mm-hmm. Right, like exactly. that's the goal of that of that thing. Um, yeah. Any other kind of examples from the trail? Things that things that you like, things that you don't like. Uh. The hygiene stuff kind of gets to me. Yeah, yeah washing. Like, I hate like, it. Well, <laughs> make me wash. Yeah, I got a problem with that. No, no, I just so I have. Find somewhere else, buddy. Like, 
<laughs> I have a distinct memory of, I don't remember when or who or what, but I have a distinct memory of a person clipping toenails by a campfire. Mm. And like that, that kind of, you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. It's, it's little stuff, right? And it, but that stuff gets under your skin and it builds up. And like, it's if true. you Stepping watch. a sharp toenail does get under yeah, your skin. But and just, then it just, does build up. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I think, I think it's, it's frustrating to me that people get out on trail and sort of go almost feral where like if we were in a house, like I wouldn't sit by your oven and clip my toes. Mm. Toenails. <laughs> I think everyone got it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Yep. And again, yeah, that's like, like people, you know, for their own convenience. Yeah. Uh, it's warm over here. I'll just not wanting to, to work a little harder and put the group first. Right. Yeah. But yeah, people being gross on the trail. Like, mm-hmm. Hygiene's huge, or you know, like people with dirty, gross hands—they don't wash their hands yeah. before they eat, mm-hmm. or something like. Yeah, it's just kind of gross. Put mm-hmm. your own cup in the community pot. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and there's you know, there's we could probably come up with a hundred examples yeah. of yeah. things, but you know, the mm-hmm. ultimately you don't want if one person's sick to share those germs exactly. and get everybody else sick, and and people just taking shortcuts instead of using like the group dipper and yeah. Yeah. using their own, and it's just yeah, they're taking shortcuts that could negatively out, have a negative yeah. outcome on the group. Yep. Um, anyway, yeah, and you know, uh, any examples of good? Uh, no, I've never yeah, seen yeah, it. Not, ever. not once, Me neither. Not once, ever, ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, like one good uh, time or good pleasant memory or whatever of uh, some really nice integrity or uh, putting the group first was. Uh, when Colin here got up one early morning in uh, the winter trek and uh, decided to uh, make coffee before the Canadians got up, and it was slow brewed, the one slow brewed over the fire. Well, he took his time. slow yeah. blue, slow brewed with love. But that that was the uh, that was the infamous six hour pot of coffee. Yeah, yep, going that extra mile for everyone's <laughs> convenience. Once he got it, though, like it was the anticipation that made it so good. Yes. And, and I why did we anticipate? <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, I think that's like, you know, we're kind of joking, but I think that's true, right? Like if you get up and, you know, you're the first person up and you start the fire and, you know, it's easy to just be like, oh, I'll just make my own coffee. But like if you get yeah. up and make like a big pot of <laughs> yeah. coffee for everybody, like that, that kind of stuff is above and beyond. Like it, it's little stuff. Like if you're that's just what, sitting and like shivering and like waiting for someone to get up and like make the fire for yeah, you and like, like hand you your dish of food. Guy. Like that's what I like to do personally, but I'm liquored a lot mm-hmm. and I think I've earned it. I don't go on these expeditions because I want to work hard. If I wanted to work hard, I'd go by myself. That's why I go with competent woodsmen so they can do all the work. <laughs> yeah it's uh i think from a from a leader's perspective you know it's always important to to model good behavior i think that's kind of what we're talking about um and just here's my uh i have a bit of a rant that i'm going to go on here about modeling good behavior i am so tired lifetime of that goofy picture with somebody and they're standing there and they get their axe leaning on their shoulder with the the blade of the axe like right behind their neck you know i mean it's got, the, it's got the sheath on it right but never if you're out there in podcast land listening to this never rest your axe on your shoulder like that it's what every it's what every goofball has in their in their photo but the paul bunyan yeah stance. If, if there's a uh if there's a part of your body you don't want to impact with an axe it's probably your cervical spine right <laughs> you cut that and the rest of the body doesn't work so don't ever ever do that like you can tell instantly when someone's got that goofy photo axe resting on their shoulder blade behind their spine 
that person's a chump. <laughs> you're a chump if you're doing that. He's probably bored of that axe too, so that definitely yeah. makes him a chump. Don't ever do that. Just don't. Just never do that ever. And if you see somebody doing it, shame them. Yeah, shaming is like I think we've lost as a group. We've lost the ability to properly shame. You know, they make like a big us deal. as a group. No, 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 not <laughs> us. As a group. Not but at I think all. Like shame. Group shaming is like was shame. a big part of communities before, but now it's like oh, bullying because you're shaming it. No, I'm just trying to make him. Conform to the group dynamics. Which is what, uh, you know, a big picture-wise, that's the big uh, gripe against the internet, yeah. is that you can, you know, be a troll without any of the negatives of yeah. being a troll, yeah. like in a community yeah. where you had to see people face-to-face, yeah. right? Like, yeah. you just want to be, like, a jerk all the time, and hey, mm-hmm. that's what the internet's for. Yep. Anyway. It used to just be for what bars and liquor were for, but now the internet's <laughs> just taking those two beautiful things away, and what's the point? Yeah, I don't know anymore. What we're saying here is go out and support your local bar. Yeah. And duck farts. If you people. if you want to yeah. yeah. support your local people. bar, you take <laughs> duck away farts and shame people. Yeah. Anyway, words of good, wisdom. Good outdoor expedition behavior. <laughs> Shaming, liquor, and bars. Yeah. <laughs> Trolling <laughs> solves everything. <laughs> anyway, uh, what else about this topic? Anything else worth? The horse is down. We're kicking it. Yeah. Is it time to, to beat it? Well, I think, beat it some more? <laughs> yeah. I think, well, I'm deciding whether I should give it the people's elbow or <laughs> the Hogan leg drop. I was going to give it the stone cold stunner. <laughs> That's how we put it down in the first place. I cracked over a beer and I walked down. <laughs> Just kicked that, <laughs> that horse in the sternum and boom. Stomped a mud hole in that horse's ass and walked it dry. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we what? The? And that's the bottom line. So usually on these podcasts, like around twenty minutes is where it starts to go weird. I think from, it's going better. I think from moment five on this, we were yeah. So we'll wrap it up, but get a copy of Paul Petzold's "The New Way of the Wilderness." Read the chapter on expedition behavior. It's worth reading. Um, you know, and th- you know, there's probably good uh, online summaries and things that you can find worth reading. And if you go on a trip or something, you know, remember leadership is not the guy who necessarily gets to the top of the mountain first or fastest. Leadership is the person who makes sure that everybody else gets up there and has a safe time. Right? Don't mistake those two things for being the same. Yeah, and don't listen to really anything we said on this <laughs> podcast. Up until this exact moment. Okay, yeah. And if you enjoyed this podcast, (laughs) please leave us a review uh, on iTunes or wherever you listen to it. Uh, Thank you for spending the last little bit of time with us, and we hope that you have a great day. Take care.